Left. Right. Yo, what is up? This is episode 102 of Sip Talk. Today we are offering advice. We put a little feeler out there on Instagram and some of the other social media sites asking for what you need advice on. You guys submitted your questions and listen on and uh, you hear our interesting, conflicting at times advice. See you on the other end. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. <laughs> Cheers. 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 This is episode 102 of Sip Talk. My name is Justin DiGiulio, joined, if you're watching live, on the top by James the Bosnator Boswell, professional referee, bartender, philosopher, and most exciting of all, accountant. And I'm in Charleston, South Carolina, and I'm joined below, if you're watching the live stream, by David Boswell, the political scientist out of Sacramento, California. Is that the, the official designation, political scientist? Is that, uh, is that what they would call you? I guess they would. I mean, right. I don't work in that. But. but if you were to if you were to pursue what your degree is in, would there be a certain lab that you would work out of? I don't know. My other major is in Spanish. So I'm confused as to where <laughs> that would lead. <laughs> um, all right, guys. So James had a great idea to offer uh solicited advice basically uh or we're soliciting the the advice if that makes any sense we're asking people what they need advice on yeah we're soliciting uh questions people need advice on we got some pretty good we got some pretty good questions uh we're also going to be monitoring your questions live so if you guys have some good questions you want to ask us you need need some advice from a couple of guys that probably drink too much um, one of the questions is how to stop drinking too much. That is one. That is one of the questions. I've done a pretty good job at that. But but oh, you know what? We're we're not live on the on the book here. So uh, let's pour some drinks, guys. James, we're going to start with you. You can tell us what you're drinking and and uh, and show us what you're drinking. The second Foster's as a replacement for Bush Ice and a tall glass of boxed wine. What kind of boxed wine is that? Bota box Malbec. Oh, the Bota box. Yep. I've never heard of that. I don't. I, I don't. I don't get that much box wine. I'm not against it. Just box wine is not not one of those things I go for. David, what are you drinking over there in sunny Sacramento? Very sunny. Uh, occasionally, I am going to like continue to get like blitzed by that random beam of sunlight. Uh, I have a local Lake Berryessa. It's a lake. Lake Berryessa is a local lake. Yeah, they take the water straight out of it. They don't treat it. Basically, just carbonate it, make it alcoholic. That's how. So they need to carbonate it. Do they need to make it alcoholic? Depends on when they pull the water out of the lake. Yeah, I would have to imagine during the summertime, like the BAC of the fish ticks up. Um, Has a a nice scaly undertones. mm, Nice. I know what that is. I know what Justin's got. Oh yeah. Game of Thrones, Johnny Walker. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is the high end, uh, Johnny. I think it's uh, it's seventeen dollars a bottle for this stuff. Is that Johnny Walker Red? Um, 
it's uh, it's a limited edition, so it's probably pretty comparable to the red. Where are you uh, getting that for seventeen dollars? I don't I don't know. It's I did I thought it was on a cheaper end. I've had this bottle was gifted to me. It's uh, probably not seventeen dollars. But it it's doesn't like a forty forty five dollar bottle. Uh, it doesn't taste like a forty dollar bottle of scotch. You should tell the person who gifted it to you. It should be like a twenty five dollar <laughs> bottle of scotch. See, that's the problem with going live on air is that you can't talk about certain aspects without of of your life without pissing somebody off. Which you know, well, you know. I was trying to bait you into it. Yeah, inevitably it just it kind of happens, and and you know my apologies in advance to everybody I piss off. Uh, and retroactive apologies for past episodes. I'm, I'm sorry for that, everybody. Um, so look, so we got some good questions that came in. We're offering advice on air. Nothing's really off limits. Um, I uh, Should we let Rosh feed us the questions or should we just go straight from the? the I want to pick a few of them. I'm going to take some of the low hanging fruit first. Um, we're going to start with uh, girl help, which um, I would say don't hire them like Depending if if it's manual labor, don't hire girl help. Uh, this was a question. Swinging it, a miss. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's just like yeah, this is in your email, not mine. It's dr- recent weight gain, drinking too much lately. Um, how about let's go with. Uh, so what, wait, how can what? high value men find the right person? Okay, so that was that's a good question. Actually, I really I really like that question. I wouldn't know. Um, but, uh, uh, I'm curious, James, have you pondered this one yet? Have you put some thought into this one? Well, I'm kind of in the same position as you are of not having direct experience being super high value. Um, I guess if I were to fly to like Congo, I get, I get to trial it, but, um, COVID's restricted airfare. Um, I would say that it's the, the advice for a high value man is the same as a low value man is that. You need to be selective and know what you're looking for and find ways of being able to identify whether or not the person that you're considering dating is compatible with you. And I guess if you're a high value man, that means that you earn a lot or whatever, and you're, you probably are trying to avoid women that are interested in you for your money. Let me tell you the real predicament here. Okay. There's, there's two situations when you're a high, the question was, uh, how can a high value man find the right person? Well, I you should assume. define what high value man even. Well, means. so here's here's where I'm going with this. Where you have you have two issues. You have the issue is you're having difficulty finding women, okay, and that's probably a social ineptitude, okay, um, or you need you know, or you, you if women aren't coming to you and you're a high value person, then you have some personal work to do. Okay, you, you or probably you might not be as high value pro- as you think. Well, you probably you probably earn a lot of money, and women think that you make a lot of money. That may be the case, but if they're not coming to you, it it's not because they don't understand. You know, they don't know that you make a lot of money. It's probably because they don't perceive you as attractive. So it's probably a physical flaw. Because if you're good looking and you make a lot of money, even if you're an asshole, women are women are going to come to you. So you're not having an issue finding finding the you know finding women. The other issue is that you have a lot of women that are interested in you because maybe your Instagram page looks great and people assume you make a lot of money. But the problem is you're not finding women who have good morals. You're finding basically gold digger women. So, so the issue is either you're, you're, you're not finding people because they're not approaching you because they're not interested in you. Okay. And then, then you're, you're thinking, well, it must just be because I make a lot of money. Um, But there's something else missing. 
it's probably you need some personal development you need to do. Or, and I think the real issue is that uh, the person who asked the question, people perceive him to have a lot of money and he attracts a lot of gold diggers. So how do you find the right person there? And I think that's really the root of the question. Pretend to be poor. <laughs> not really joking there. Well, but that's that could be that could be difficult because you guys you know, know like not be poor, but like don't don't flaunt your wealth and and, and spend modestly. Don't even if you make a million dollars a year, don't spend like it. That way, women won't know that you actually have that much money. Uh, l- let me give you a personal hide example. your assets. Okay, but but my name is all over the brokerage. All right. And people assume that as the owner of a Manhattan real estate brokerage that I make a sizable income and not that I flaunt it, but you know, in the past I've driven some decent cars and you know, for the most part, I spent a lot of time out and that ends up on social media. So people, a lot of women typically perceive me as, you know, when they're looking at social media alone as just somebody who makes a lot of money, which can and has attracted maybe the wrong type of women. Blondes have more fun as how many times have women dated you for the money? Um, I, I wouldn't know specifically because that's not something that that has been brought up. But I, um... I would say that if a woman is dating me for the money, that's the second mistake that she's made. <laughs> but but really, the issue is finding a woman who's attracted you only for the money. Who's who's, you know, I think typically. um well, I've made a great deal of money. I've never, I've never had a huge amount of wealth, and I think that really affects how you behave. <laughs> What's the first mistake? <laughs> yeah, getting in the car with it, getting in the car with them. Yeah, no, but but uh, um, oh, I, I, I see what you're getting at. But yeah, <laughs> people are people are attracted to money because they're looking for a change in lifestyle, you know, and and that's that's really the biggest issue. And you need you need to be grounded in who you are and not somebody that's going to take because what happens is when you first start dating somebody you tend to go out to places that you would normally go to you go to expensive restaurants you try to go on trips and you try to showboat a little bit and that's really where the problem come comes from but if somebody's attracted to you and they because they think you have money they think you're a high value person but you just behave like everybody else that, you know, there's no nowhere really for that attraction to to get rooted in. So they're not going to stick around, um, you know, or or they weren't there for the money to begin with. Yeah, you got to find a way of assessing it with by removing money from the equation as much as possible. Well, I mean, it, it depends. It, it just it really depends on what kind of lifestyle you live. Obviously, if you have like sports cars, luxury place, maybe a yacht or something and women are attracted to you for that, that's that's a lot more difficult to weed people out. But I think that's a very, very slight minority of, of people. I don't, I don't really think that's where this question is rooted. I think it's. Derek, where do you come in on this? Money shouldn't really have much of a say in anything. Justin's absolutely right that sometimes it can be tough at the beginning of a relationship because you're going to be going out a lot more, um, trying to have a nice time. So uh, start things off on the right foot. So it can be hard to like walk that back if you go a little bit too hard at the beginning. But if someone's interested in you for the money, I mean, hopefully you have enough sense to be able to assess that out. Yeah, well, that's the thing is it's, it's being aware and, and really kind of getting a gauge for the other person's morals. 
Um, so speaking of morals, there's a, a woman, a lady of incredible morals. She uh, proposed this question. It's the last question on the email list. And this isn't quite low hanging fruit, I think, but I, it's, it's in along the same vein in terms of relationship questions and attraction questions. Uh, James, you want to read that, that last question out there? Well, it's, it's kind of a summary, like spend 12 hours a year on a first date, text almost every single day, spend hours talking on the phone, but, but they're always too busy to make plans or hang out in advance, only down to hang out at the last minute. So, so you went on, it's how it, and, and she can jump in if she wants, because she's live. She may not want to identify herself, but basically where we stand is she went on I, what I imagined to be a first date. And it was like, maybe like a lunch date or something like that, that kind of lasted all afternoon. And then they stayed in touch quite a bit and they talked quite a bit, almost like it went right into that kind of familiarity, comfortable relationship type situation. But then they never were able to get together to hang out again. And it sounds like maybe she asked or insinuated that she wanted to go on more dates. But this person never got their shit together and was able to do anything unless it was last minute. Sounds like she's being held in like the batter circle. She's like she's on deck for this person. Mm -hmm. He's keeping her in his back pocket. If something else falls through, which is a really shitty thing to do to another person. Well, it is a shitty thing to do another person, but it sounds to me like that person right off the bat, not being able to take time out of their schedule to, to set aside time for this other person. Unless it's convenient for them. But yeah, but they weren't prioritizing the other person in, no. in their schedule. And no. it sounds like either somebody who's not really looking for a relationship or, or somebody who's not really that into you. And that's, but I think, somewhat of a turnoff could be being so available because what happened was you went on one date and then you started taking on these relationship type behaviors where you're talking on the phone for a couple hours a night where what you lost was kind of this. I don't know. I feel like you showed your hand too early. Does, does that make sense? Like you, you slipped into this. Why, why are we talking for two hours on the phone on a semi-regular basis when we only hung out once? But it takes two to tango. I don't see how that. But I mean, but that's my point. Is I think I think the person who the the one who asked the question might have needed to be a bit more reserved and a bit less available as to intrigue the other person. See, I, don't know. I, I think that's bringing in deception and gamesmanship into something where, like, look, I like you. Do you like me? Yes. Okay. Let's see where this not, goes. Not. I like you. Oh, well, I don't I don't know if I want to tell you that I like you. I'm, I'm going to make you jump through all these 18 fucking hoops for 18 hours. And, well, 12 on the first time. But yeah, Derv's alluding to a theory that I have that modern dating is a negative sum game where when both people participate and go and like abide by the expected behaviors, it leads to a worse result for both. Well, that's but that's that's the exact issue, though, is that. But you that's have, what you're advising. Well, the, the <laughs> well, issue the issue is you you can't you can't show all you can't show your hand. Okay, there has to be some mystery in it. There has to be some. 
if you meet somebody attractive and you ask them on a date and they say yes, and then you just have this boring ass where you're never wondering, you're never in the back of your head or spending a lot of time thinking about this person, thinking, do they like me? Are they seeing other people? Like there has to be, what I'm saying is there has to be some level of mystery in this. And when you, when you. Yeah, but why? Why? Why does it have to be that way? Because that's how your brain works. No, not, you can, you can just skip a step and, and just be honest. And, and tell the other person how you feel and where you think things are. But that makes they, you less, but that's out of your control. You, you become it, less it's attractive. It's completely to in that. your control to tell them how you feel. But what's out it, of your control is that you make less attractive, less attractive to, the kind to, of, them. to the kind of person I don't really want to be with. So after my last clusterfuck of relationship, one of the things I decided was like, ooh, we're not going to compromise on A, B, and C. So if it comes to that, fine. They're not the right person. If me showing... I don't know, a week, two weeks in, like, hey, I kind of like you. Let's see where this goes. If that's too forward, if talking to them and wanting to spend time with them is too much, then that's probably not the right person for me where I am in my life. And it depends on, again, where each individual person is in their life. It sounds like this guy wants to see other people too. It sounds like there's like a little bit of a rotation going on here. Well, there, there could be, there, you have a very good point with that, that rotation, but, but, Stars and Stripes says if you text and talk all the time, intuition kicks in and you can tell if they're into you or not. And but if, but if like, you're texting, but if they're texting you and, and talking on the phone with you on a regular basis, that would imply that they are into you. Yeah, I'd agree. So. Yeah, but it, think about the investment here. Sending a text message back and forth over the course of a day or spending 30 minutes on the phone every single night is relatively low investment because you can be doing other things at the same time. Whereas like going out on a date or spending time together limits you to spending time with just that person. So this person is not really being proactive in trying to pursue spending time. Then that should, like, it's, this is like a perfect example of actions speak louder than words. <laughs> But I think you're oversimplifying the dating process to I like you, you like me, let's be together. And that 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 seldom happens. It makes for a very boring relationship that's usually short lived. Doesn't have to be, though. But but it is. It is. You know, that's that's just how it goes. So there has to be some fight. There has to be. Yeah. Which is a losing battle. You know, that's it's there has to be some mystery in there. There has to be, you know, people have to be a little reserved in the beginning. It's for the same reason we had this conversation when we had Nicole on about one night stands and how, you know, you're talking about how early is too early to sleep with somebody, you know, like you have to develop this desire for you by holding out. You don't have to, but I got two comments that I think are pretty good. I agree. So one, if it push, if, if that pushes the, them away from you, then they aren't for you. People who know what they want don't play goods. That's from Andrea MC. And I agree with that. Like, if you know what you're looking for, then you're not going to play games and beat around the bush. You're going to say this either works for me or it doesn't. It sounds then, to me like, like that's what people would like to happen. But you, in you reality, when that happens, it's a turnoff. And it's a subconscious other, turnoff. The other comment I think is even is also accurate. Stars and Stripes says like, no, you might just be convenient. It could just be a convenient relationship right now. And but that that plays to our larger point, which is that they're probably not all that interested in you. If if they're only hanging out with you when it's convenient for them, then you're a convenience. Yes, convenient, which is also a turnoff. 
and the person who asked the question is rather attractive and very interesting. And the, I don't think this I, says anything about I, her having been a turnoff by being open and available as much as it says about the guy for being. I, 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 think, think, we've, I, I think we've diagnosed the situation that it sounds like this is a rotational kind of issue where he's just keeping her as a back pop the card or something else falls through. I don't see yeah, where she did anything people. wrong here. Like no. I, I agree with Durf. The, the dude's in the wrong here and he's not being honest with her about what he actually feels. But why isn't he more intrigued by her? Because he has other girls he that he's more interested in. He's more interested in other girls and he wants to keep her on the hook because he's interested enough to text her and talk yeah, to her and spend a 12 hours on the first time out. But he doesn't like her enough or more than it might be other girls or it might just be the idea of potential for other girls of not giving up the well, single them to someone committed. That's a big issue that we have today with dating today in 2021 is that there are so many options and people don't want to settle down. Um, and people are just generally have zero empathy and treat other people like, like shit. Like when you could just block somebody and ghost them and just not have to worry about it because you don't see it and then not feel shitty about it. Like I stopped talking to somebody. This is like, probably 10 years ago i went on a couple of dates and then they fucking tweaked out i think i've told the story on air to james yeah. before and I derv can you hear me i can hear you all right so all right you know what this is actually a blessing <laughs> in disguise um yeah because uh we can talk about stars and stripes like we, we yeah. don't think justin's player either we just also think his opinion is usually wrong. Um, uh, but I, I think it, so I've actually recently changed my opinion on this one where like if someone ghosted me in the past, I used to get kind of upset because I'm like, all right, well, I, but now I actually look at being ghosted as someone doing me a favor because it, it, it accelerates the process. It wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. So thank you for not like leading me on or whatever. Like, sure. I, I probably wanted something that you didn't. But you know what? I'd ra- like now I can move on. Like, yeah, I've got I've really got no issues with it. When the different people I match with on the dating app, if that falls through, like I don't get upset about it. It's like, all right, well, then that's just less time wasted. I'm not in any rush to find the right person right Nobody's now. Nobody's in a rush. Is my mic all right now? You guys can hear me. Unfortunately, it is. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. All right. That was nice. But it's not it's not that people are <laughs> sorry. <guys. laughs> All right, I'm over here, you know, professing from my from my heart, from past experience, and and you guys can't hear a goddamn thing. Um, but I'm just saying that it's it's complicated, and now is a really tough time to date. But you also don't like if 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 she's talking to this guy on the phone, and like he's just all ears, and they've been on one date. Like this guy to me would seem like they haven't been on one date. They've hung out a number of times. It's just that it sounds like they went on. She's always the one who's initiating. No, it sounds like they went on a, a one 12 hour date and then they talked for weeks after that, but never got back together. No, she no says it's just, he only can hang out when it's last minute. Here, here, here are the exact words. We spend hours talking on the phone, but he's always too busy or to make plans or hang out in advance, only down to hang out last minute. That means that they've hung out more than just the one date. It's just that it never is planned. It's just a, oh, hey, baby, I'm free. Um, you want to meet up in 20 minutes? OK, cool that that's Which, and that's what her issue is and i can understand it i agree i think she's in the right 
sounds like she's being placed on deck as like a, as James had a contingency pattern. Uh, yeah, you're the like, fallback, which is which a shitty don't... place to be. It's a shitty thing for him to do. Yeah, and but it may not be the fallback. It, it just definitely... it may be pose a countering hypothesis. Hmm. All right, let's let's move to another question. Because... All right, next question: Where should you travel to after a breakup? So you realize that this guy's only calling you, like, calling you like five minutes ahead of time. You decide to end it. Where are you traveling to? My answer is go to some place you've never been to before. That's exactly what my answer was. I don't think you should go somewhere familiar. I think you need to go somewhere new. You need to experience new things. So you come back with a fresh perspective. But I think the last place you should go is somewhere familiar, especially somewhere familiar with familiar people where you might get a little too comfortable when you're not in the right mindset, where when you when you have a fresh breakup, especially if it's after a long relationship, you don't want to be in this position where you're trying to get back into a relationship. Well, what I would say is that it depends on what kind of breakup and where you are mentally, because like if it's really fresh and you're, you're hurt, then going somewhere to have like with a close friend that can kind of provide a little bit of like free therapy for you. That's good. But then once you're on the, the other side of it and saying like, all right, I accept that I'm single again, let's reset. That's when you go someplace new. But at some time, like right after a breakup, it could be good to just go to a friend's and be able to just kind of well, get yeah. some support in that manner. I, I, I see that makes sense. What I'm saying, though, is you end up spending time in a place like your the town where you grew up in or something. And then you meet somebody who feels comfortable and you and you wind up in a position with them where you probably wouldn't have been if you weren't emotionally. Mm, don't, don't go. Well, all right, hold on. First, Melissa, Melissa S. Brown says, bottom line, if they can't make you a priority then they clearly aren't as interested in as you as they are as them, which speaks to me in Derv's point. Um, well, but and, I think that's very clear. I think we all are aware of that. The issue is like, why did this happen? How can you avoid it? And, you know, and yeah, Andrea MC also says, like, if she sticks around, she can't complain if she sticks around. If you don't like the situation, walk away, which I also I thought, agree with. But that, but early on, you think it has some if I go on a date with somebody and then I talk to them over the next two or three weeks. But like, I'm a busy guy. I would expect somebody to be understanding over the next two or three weeks that I'm busy because there are right. many times where I'm super, super busy. But that's not what's going on here. But you wouldn't know that when you met somebody once. And you've been talking for a couple of weeks and they're telling you how busy they are. But they've been hanging out. It's just been on his terms. Well, I don't know if they've been hanging out or not. That, that, so read the comment. Sound it out. <laughs> it just says only down to hang out last minute. It didn't say they have hung out. Read the last three words. Hang out last minute. Right. So that means that they have hung out. Anyways. I think your comment about like ending up in something that you wouldn't otherwise end up or whatever implies that you're going like if you're going back to your hometown or someplace like that you have that you know people there like if you're hanging out with like someone of the opposite sex or whatever and you're kind of in like this delicate framework or yeah then maybe you end up in a position you wouldn't have but like I think about like five years ago when I had a situation I flew up to New York City and I hung out with you it's not like I was going to hook up with you as a rebound but no but but also you were you, in you a new better. You were in a new, you were in a newer place. You were in you weren't in this comfortable you, you had comfortable people around you, but you weren't in like a town where you used to date people or the small town where you grew up or something like that. Yeah, I think your situation was a little little more unique. 
Uh, but uh, I don't think answer- it's all that unique. People do that. People go through that kind of stuff all the time. It sucks. Yeah, for it was like, but I a think years I- later that I was at Voodoo, which is again going against the <laughs> against the advice. Here. Don't go somewhere you've been to. <laughs> exactly. So well, let me guess what happened. Distance. So you know. Let- let me guess what happened. So you went to you went to a bar that you you had a breakup and you went back to a comfortable place and then you met somebody and ended up in a relationship with them. No, it was actually well, just really mean, nice. We are in a relationship. We're brothers. Well, yeah, and then I hooked up with a bartender at Voodoo right after the breakup because uh, she was really kind and cute, and then I fled the south a few months later. Yeah. So uh, there was quick, no relationship. The is- and it was. What's your advice on giving others quality advice? I'm not really sure how to answer that. Well, I think I think the idea is just, you know, we're, we're having a debate over what is solid advice. They also okay. define what quality because a lot of this could be like low quality. But I think it's nice to get advice from a different perspective, especially, you know, we're kind of, we don't know all the details. So it makes it very difficult for us to give spot on advice. But we are trying to dissect the situation and give you know the best advice given we don't know all the fact here but in terms of trying to give good advice you want to understand as much of the background as possible and then you just don't you just don't want to give bad advice so you can give any advice or you can you know which which implies you could potentially give bad advice so we're just trying to figure out what bad advice would be and and steer you away from that because there's well, advice right. and there's good advice i got a couple ideas here First is that you need to listen to them and understand. They're, like some, when, when people complain to you, they're usually looking for one of two things. One is just to vent and express their frustration with the situation, in which case advice isn't really warranted. You just need to kind of commiserate. Um, and then the other is when they're looking for some kind of concrete suggestion for what to do. So assuming you're in situation two, then you need to listen and, and really understand the, plop, the problem. And Chances are this person is coming to you because they know you well. So you should be able to know what kind of person they are to be able to give the advice. And I'd say the second thing is if it's something that you really don't know, then don't be afraid to say that. Don't give advice that you're unsure of just because the person is looking for something because it, it, it's better to say, I don't know, or let me think about that as compared to guessing at something and potentially putting them in a worse spot. Uh, yeah, I and that's it's it's very well articulated, James. Thank you, um, Rosh. For hopefully, uh, my echo is not too too bad. But there's a lot of comments saying how how bad my echo is. Uh, something to do with this basement setup that we have. So Rosh is saying the next question. So we got a couple of we got three questions came from one person. They said, "I need girl help. Uh, I've had recent weight gain and I'm drinking too much lately." Now, I think the three of those go together. I think uh, the person's in a bad relationship situation. They're drinking too much because of that, and they're gaining weight. Um, while, while I don't think somebody trying to lose weight should just completely stop drinking, uh, even though I've definitely, you know, I'm trying to get in shape for the summer, I've definitely given up a lot of drinking. But I just think you need to be careful with what you are drinking. If you're trying to lose some weight and you, you still want to drink a little bit. Uh, if you think you're drinking too often, my advice is just try to go a week without having anything at all to drink, which 
if you're a regular drinker like I am, you have a drink a day or, you know, you might go two days or so without a drink, but you casually have a drink when you get home from work or you have a drink at lunch or something. Um, it, it can be really tough. So if you can go a week without drinking, you can kind of hit a bit of a reset button and that's nice. But when it comes to drinking and weight gain, you have to, one depends on what you're regularly drinking. If you go out and you have a glass of scotch, or you come home and have some scotch or I like to drink clean spirits. I'll drink a glass of vodka on the rocks, some gin on the rocks, some scotch. But if you're making sugary mixed drinks, then you have a major issue. You're and not it, doing a really good job of it advocating how to quit drinking. I, but I don't. He's, I don't. Think, he's advocating how to do it. I'm, I'm <laughs> advocating how to drink and lose how weight. Right. Really. Right. And, but, but let, let, this is that, like, that, my advice is just stay away from sugary drinks and heavy beers, and and try to, and just try to tone back the drinking a little bit. Here's one tip that I have: is if you feel the urge to drink, it's brought on by something, some stressor. Because if you're, especially if you're drinking by yourself, like you're not doing it at the party, you're not around other people. So something's causing you to have this anxiety that you want to drink and drinking will numb whatever's causing this. So for what I would say this, is this, for me, it's this podcast. I actually have to go get another beer. Yeah. So I'll be right back. Well, I'll continue. I would say if you have the ability to like go for a walk and not like a long walk, even just like five or 10 minutes. Like go, if you're in a city, go two or three blocks away. Another thing you can do, if you have noise canceling headphones, turn them on, turn the noise, noise canceling feature on and put them on with no music and just walk around the block for about five or 10 minutes. It's a mental reset. And I'm not saying, I mean, if you can exercise, if you can go for a run or something, great, but like a walk, all you need to do is put on a pair of shoes and, and that the, the physical act of getting out of your surroundings will help reduce whatever that stress was oh there's the mic again oh good well i'll talk about this um that's why there was no echo <laughs> oh damn it you fixed it um so uh, but but uh i think the exercise thing helps with the stress and it also helps with the drinking um you know, the exercise is going to get you out of your house. It's going to get the blood flowing. It's definitely good, especially if you're depressed or stressed. Um, and it's really difficult to run when you're drunk. So, you know, I've had some of the worst runs in my life when I've been drunk. So I think if, you know, if you're prioritizing going for a run, it's going it's to be really tough. It's going to be really tough when you're drunk. Did I, I told you about the run? I, I think I, I brought this up before the run. I went for with my sister in Florida. You're not. You're not hearing us. <laughs> what, what, what am I missing here? We'll explain off air. It's juvenile. <laughs> oh God. Uh, if you're listening to this, David and James are basically one step away from laying on the floor laughing, and I am just you're aloof. <laughs> Uh, it's not a, not a fun place to be. The fact that you don't get it is what makes it so much better. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, just keep, keep, keep talking about those horrible roads. Yeah, please. Um, how, how, how terrible those runs were. I don't get the runs like that, man. I think we're talking about different types of runs here. <laughs> I think you do. Um, Anyways... <laughs> 
All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to hit another question. Yeah. Let's uh, change topics since we yeah. torpedoed that one. I, uh, I thought the first question was really nice and that, that was the first question, but I thought it was a bit pandering. How, how does Justin do it all run a business? Work on a new home, apparently work on cars. What they're saying though, is that she said, I've been feeling exhausted running on empty lately. I don't know how to change that. And I don't seem to have time for anybody. So really what the question is, is I'm feeling too busy. I don't have time for the things I want to do. How do I, how do I manage that? Um, and I have felt like that quite a bit lately, given I am running a business, I'm starting a second business. I, uh, I got a lot going on with my current business. We'll be talking about that over the next couple of weeks. We can't exactly talk about what's going on with the current business right now. I do have a new house that, that, that takes a lot of time. Uh, I'm commuting for consider my, I used to commute nine to 12 minutes to and from work. Now it's an hour and a half. So that's a big change. But how do you fit all this stuff, work, life balance? Uh, you know, what's, what's your guys' advice on that? Because I'm, I'm probably not great at it, really. It's a hard one. I mean, if you're feeling overwhelmed, then I would say find something to cut. Um. Okay, find something to cut. But what if what if it's mostly work and then you, you come home and you feel exhausted? I think that's normal. You well, sure? But that's a rough lifestyle to live. I've got completely different lifestyles from when I used to work car sales and I made uh, a time and a half what I make right now. But I worked more than a time and a half or almost double the hours because I went in at 7.30 and got home at 7 o'clock. Now I work at 7.45 to 4.15. I changed my work schedule, completely changed my lifestyle. I don't make the same kind of money I used to, but I have a hell of a lot more free time than I ever did when I was doing sales. So, I mean, work can absolutely be some absolutely draining until you get home, but. Yeah, I, I think, I think really, be. really, really, if, if any advice we give you isn't solving the problem, because I'm going to offer some advice in a minute. The problem is your job, right? Like that's that that could just be the root problem. And then you have to say, do I want to do this for another 10 or 15 or 20 years and just be this miserable? Or do I want to start looking for other jobs? And so, but I mean, so I have been, been very, very busy lately. I'm usually up about 6.30, 6.45 in the morning. I work out, then I get showered, I get on a train, it's an hour and a half ride to work. I work usually when I'm on the train, and then I'm usually busy all day long, and then I'm hour and a half train ride back while I'm working, and then we do this podcast, and once we wrap this podcast, it'll be roughly 10 o'clock at night, and I'm going to go paint for another hour, hour and a half. Uh, and those are full days full of a lot of work, and it's it can be very, very draining. However, Here's what I want to get at is that it's oddly not draining because I'm doing constructive things. Whereas rather than finish this podcast and want to just lay in bed because I'm exhausted and watch TV, I there's an excitement inside of me to go on a paint or do something constructive. Um, last summer, I was rewriting our agent handbook for the company and I added another 40 or so pages to it. And I was doing that by waking up at six o'clock in the morning and working on the handbook. Um, 
And I was motivated to get up and get out of bed at six o'clock in the morning. So there's something about what you're what you're spending your time doing that elicits a certain amount of excitement, which generates energy. So I think that's a big factor. Like, what are you doing with your, with your time? But if, if your work is causing you to be miserable all the time that you're outside of work, then you need to address that situation. And it may be that you're at a bad job or you have the wrong mentality going into the job. Here's an adage that I've that I've said a lot of times, which is that like whenever I hear someone say, "Find something you love, and you'll never work a day in your life," Mm -hmm. it's a really privileged attitude because like work is work. You can't just expect to love what you do, but you shouldn't have to hate it. And so, uh, whenever people ask me about their jobs or whatever, I say, when you wake up in the morning, before you go into work, do you say one of the following two things? You say. I can get through this or how am I going to get through this? If every day you wake up and you say, I can get through this, then you're fine. As soon as you start thinking, how am I going to get through this day? That's when you need to quit. Well, I've I've been having a lot the last few months. I've been really checked out of the company and I've been making, and, and I recognize that in myself. I mean, after this year, you know, there was a while over the last year where every day I went to work, we fell into more and more debt. And no matter how hard I worked, we were just going into more debt. And and because Just I owned, check the comments too. Uh, I, I won't in a, in a second. I saw them. Um, but also because I own the business, it's a lot of personal debt. So I realized something needs to change up. And I was dreading working for a while. So, uh, you know, through trial and error. But... But also the one thing that I wanted to add was also exercise. Even though you're burning calories and you're expending energy exercising, it typically gives you more energy in the other aspects of your life. And it's going to give you a better outlook. And if you're spending time exercising, your your general life overall is going to be better. The questions were basically, when do you ever get downtime? I I have downtime. I could finish this podcast and go get in bed and watch TV. Right. Instead, I choose to do something else. So it really depends on the activities in your life that are that you're prioritizing and are energizing you. So, you know, I, uh, it's over the last few months, I've had events on the weekends and I've popped by the event for an hour or two. But then, you know, I've had to prioritize getting stuff done in the house. But that's energizing and it, it's exciting for me. So it's just, you know, I, I come from a world where I can go out seven nights a week and I can have drinks at lunch six days a week. So, um, I don't know, maybe that's a very privileged place to say now I'm taking time and actually doing work, but well, I think one, one, one thing that you said that made me think is if you feel overwhelmed, you might like try and think about what's going on in your day and see if there's times where there's downtime that you're not aware of. Cause well, that's, you, there's yeah. probably there's, there's probably time wasters in there that you're not aware of because they're just habit. And when you actually step back and look and like, I wasted an hour and a half, I wasted two hours today doing unproductive things. Now, sometimes that's healthy because you just need to give your mind a break, but there, but if you, if you do too much of it and you don't realize it, that's when you start to fall behind. Um, so I don't know. 
it's uh, that that question's tough because work-life balance and handling all your responsibilities and still having a positive attitude and living a happy life. I think everybody struggles with that. And if you don't, you're either really lucky or independently wealthy. I think, I think you're either going in two directions in your life. You're building and you're expanding or you're stagnating and going backwards, basically. Like, you know, if, if you're not in a good place and you're not doing productive things, then you're going to be miserable and, and uh, you know, you're going to feel exhausted because of that. Even though you may not be doing much, you're still going to feel exhausted. Whereas if you're doing productive things, you're going to be energized to do them. And you got to figure out what that is in your life. Uh, I think you also need to find set goals and then give yourself small rewards for achieving them because that will further incentivize progress. True. Because true. if you feel like the, the, the list of tasks is just infinite, then, then your life is a death march. All right. Uh, let's, let's just hit this moving question. I need to choose a good interstate moving company. So somebody's moving out of the state. How do they choose a good company? I know how I would do it, but I'm curious. How well, you guys... Real quick, this is an easy one to answer. Kyle Lehman asks, what time do we wake up in the morning? James? Um, I'm, during the week when I have to work, I, I have to be in the office at 8. I'm up at 7.15. takes me 10 minutes to get ready. On the weekends, I'll usually get like eight or nine hours of sleep. I usually go to around, bed around midnight and I'll up around like nine or nine thirty in the morning on the weekends. I'm I'm usually out of bed at six forty five, um, and then I, I try to work out in the morning, which is particularly difficult. Uh, being tired, I, I prefer to work out and have a little more energy, but it's the only time I got. How about you, David? I wake up around seven seven fifteen o'clock and at seven forty five at these lovely computer screens you see behind me uh, must be nice working from home it is it's pretty pretty freaking awesome because i can get off at 4 15 and then i take the bike that james gave me before i fled from charleston and i go out and ride for 30 or 50 miles after work and i still get home before eight o'clock and have a protein shake and go to sleep and don't have any alcohol just like we were talking about with all these other questions it's it's one of the easiest ways to quit drinking is once you stop drinking, you realize how much free time you actually have when you're not just drunk watching TV because you can't That's get on you, your fucking couch. You you get drunk and watch TV? I've never heard of anyone else doing that. I know it's pretty particular. But when you stop drinking, like... <laughs> Sorry, this one filled up a little too much. <laughs> Sorry, there's no better back back background image for that because right now you're my full screen so I just talk about so there's no better thing to stop drinking as like you're trying to stop all this scotch from spilling out because that's a 12 ounce glass <laughs> well yeah but yeah, I put the I put the big I put the big ice cube in here and then it went all the way up to the top it was a mistake it was my mistake I didn't think you got a drinking problem um yeah, possibly. yeah he, he, he can't keep it in the fucking cup i don't care how much he drinks just get it between the lips anyways uh james has been following my like venture into fitness and not drinking so much and just been spending a lot of time on the bike getting out there eating better and i feel a hell of a lot better um on days i don't drink so justin you're actively hurting my health by having me out here I think yeah. it, I think if you're exercising that much, a drink can't hurt you. You know, once or twice a week. Everything in moderation, including moderation. 
Exactly. Um, but so choosing an interstate moving company, you guys have advice on that, David, you, you most recently did this. So I'm I curious. did, but here's the thing. I didn't have anything large that I had to move. The biggest thing that I had to move was the aforementioned bike that James gave me. And he actually had a bike box. So I was able to put it into a box. And here's the thing. If you don't have to have a lot of nice furniture ship. Oh, he's good. He's pouring more in. <laughs> That'll fix the problem. <laughs> It's a big ice cube. I wanted to melt the ice cube. And so, yeah, that's that's what they all say. Anyways, I shipped almost all my stuff across the country from Charleston to Sacramento for about $300 via Amtrak. And it was a couple hundred pounds worth of stuff uh, put into boxes. I dropped it off at the local Amtrak train station. They shipped it across. It was pennies on the dollar compared to UPS, uh, USPS, FedEx, any of those other things doing boxes and if i had done a pod or rented out a portion of a semi that also would have cost me five to ten times as much we're looking at like two to five thousand dollars so amtrak freight really really awesome option if you're doing basically i lived with my my ex-partner for about seven years i had a lot of stuff but it was stuff that could fit in boxes i didn't have any big furniture anything like that so it was basically like a college slash studio apartment kind of move. But if you're moving across the country, check out Amtrak Freight. A quick question from uh, Let Love Rain. David, is it still really hot over there? Oh, yeah. Currently, my apartment is about 90 degrees uh, because my apartment's terrible. It'll get up to 98 in the summertime in interior temperature. That's wild. Let me ask you a quick question about Amtrak Freight. So you're doing Amtrak yeah. Freight. You got to bring your stuff to the train station. Yep. Got to box then, it up, bring it to the train station, bring it into the train station where they have the Amtrak Freight desk. Yep. Okay. But effectively, that means you can fit all of your stuff in one carload. You can make multiple a, trips, I suppose. Because uh, they'll, they'll hold it for a day or two. I, I did it okay. all just because I want to have it done and done. And it was like, 25 bucks to rent the U-Haul van for the day. I figured that was worth it. All yeah. right, so I got I got two aspects of, of, of advice on the moving to a new state because I've done it twice. When I moved to South Carolina, this one I really did on a budget. And my also car... didn't have anything. Well, I filled up basically a car's worth of stuff and my car would mechanically, it would not be able to make the drive. So what I did was I filled the car up and then I shipped the car and I called around and basically went with the kind of most bogus car shipping company I could find. And uh, and then I flew down for like, I don't know, really cheap airfare out of an airport that I've never heard of before. And I wouldn't even remember what it was if you asked me. Um, but I, I filled the car up and I, and I used the car as a, uh, as container. a container. Exactly. That was one way. The other way, which I did to move to jersey is you basically you google movers and you want to make sure they're well rated so you look at their yelp review you don't look at the testimonials on their website and then you just call and get a quote from three four five of them and you go with the quote you like the best as long as they're insured for the most part you're fine and if there's anything super super valuable you take that with you uh on your person when when you go unless it's a super valuable piece of furniture but again, that's what they're insured for. That's yeah, what that, I did with the, the Amtrak freight was anything super valuable stayed in my car as I drove across the country. Anything that I could replace for whatever nominal insurance cost, I shipped via Amtrak freight. 
So it, it was a pretty great way to do it. Yeah, I just right, I like you, this you, question. There's there's three topics on there, but I want to answer this one. All How right. to buy my dream car? Which Porsche is the best? Okay, that's three topics. No, there's there's three topics, but we're gonna address this one because I like it the best. Uh, how to buy my dream car and which Porsche is the best? Which Porsche is the best? I ha- well, realistically, and this is not realistic, but I'd go with the 1996 911 GT2. Okay. Um, unrealistically, probably the 935. Um, that I'm gonna have to Google the the 935. Uh, you sure 935? Positive. Is that, the, is that the street spec for the Le Mans? Le Mans no, the 911 yeah. GT1 was pretty cool, but the, the or like the the Porsche 992. So the, I don't. The GT1 I don't. One was cool, but the 935 is like a 19 late 1970s Le Mans car. Yeah, it's um, like the it's a yeah. it's got a general shape of a, a 911, but it's got a giant rear wing. And yeah, like so I don't 700 horsepower with turbo lag that you can like count to ten for. So I don't, I don't really like the the big wing in the back. I'm a big fan of the nine six four or the nine nine three. The nine eleven GT two is a nine nine three model. Sure, but it has the air vents on the side, which I'm not a fan of. I just really like a, the very plain nine eleven. Now that would be, I love the nine eleven. I've had two of them, um, the nine nine six and the nine nine seven point one, but. Uh, I, I would say my dream car would be the Lamborghini Countach. I've just always loved it. That's a much more angular, chopped up car. Very 80s Lamborghini looking. Um, but but I do like the 911 uh, as a you know a reasonable car. I would love the Countach. But you couldn't use it. You couldn't use it as a daily driver. It's just not practical. The windows don't roll down all the way. It, it's a It's a weird... It's a weird car. 2005 Ferrari 360 Medina. That would be that would be a much more practical car than the Lamborghini Countach. Not by much. You don't. Yeah, by a lot. By a lot because of the age. (coughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah, It's Um, newer, and the windows open all the way. So a lot, a lot newer than the Countach. We're talking ten years, fifteen years, or maybe the 911 3.0 RSR. Uh, About the 909. 909 I'm not familiar with. 919. That's the newest one. This is really a circle jerk designed to lose viewers. <laughs> All right, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Right. So, but my I, uh, how do you afford your dream car? How to buy your dream car? Start you guys saving. So, really that's a priority issue. It's a priority issue and it's something that you want to do, you're going to do it. If you're somebody who just can't do stuff, you're not going to do it. But it depends on how badly you want it. Now, I'm not getting to the... The Lamborghini that Leonardo DiCaprio drove and wrecked in Wolf of Wall Street was a Diablo. Um, how, much, how much would a Lamborghini Diablo cost? Right That's now? a great question. Let's find out. All right. Give me, give me, a, give me a number. Because what I want to tell you is how, to, how you're going to afford a car like that. My guess is you could probably get one 60 to 80 grand. <laughs> this is a terrible range. Thirty-four thousand to seven hundred and forty-six thousand. Okay, so great job. So, so we're going. Probably, probably two hundred to two hundred and fifty thousand is your low end. 
No, I, I don't think so. I'll bet you you could find one for 60 to 80 grand. But to get it running. No, I'll bet, I'll bet you it would run. I'll bet you, I'll bet you that 34,000 is probably something. Okay, like- it's, it's, it's already an Italian car. I bought a 1995 Mitsubishi Eclipse and it literally exploded. All right, here's right, what I'm seeing right on Hemmings.com. The so these are classified for classifieds for Diablos. I'm seeing between 155 and like 375. I don't think you're going to get it below 100,000. Okay, but, but that's but that's your house right there. That's not your house, but that's buying that's buying a small house. You know. And if you do things right, it will just be your house. <laughs> but that's always an option too. You could go li- you go live with your family and and buy the house. Um you know, they're not it, uh, again, it's a pri- it's a priority it's a priority issue. That's that's all. Uh, I'm looking right now on eBay for uh, Lamborghini, and they're about 150 is the cheapest cheapest one. But that right, I figure, why are you trying to buy your dream car? Do you have all the other dream things in your life? Do you, do you have the, like the nice home that you want? And you but that's my point with live? with prioritizing just, it exactly. But I, I find a car, like dream car is such a fickle thing to me because it's such a depreciating asset. Unless you buy something, yeah, you, you might be able to get a Diablo or a Countach that's going to appreciate at this point because of the vintage nature of it. But buying, oh, I want to buy a 2022 BMW M5. Well, first, okay. Okay, let's, let's, let's just call a dream car what a dream car is. Dream car is like the year, make, and model that has a big impact on your life. And 25 years from now, you would still want it. So if it's a 2021, 2022 Audi R8, like that's unfortunately, that doesn't qualify for dream car. Like anybody who's into cars is going to say, well, you know, that car is just not going to be cool in, in six years. Like it's just going to be, you know, it's, they're still making the car. It doesn't qualify as, as dream car. So we're talking about cars that have pretty much leveled out in, in their value. And the only thing that's going to bring them down in value is damage to the vehicle or a shit ton of miles on the car. Um, so, but, but again, it's a priority thing. And, and 225,000 over a seven year term, you're looking at a little over three grand a month. Uh, that's a lot of money. Um, over how many years? Seven. Okay, so seven years. You you at four and a half percent interest, which is okay. probably a little low because you're. I doubt you're going to be able to get financing for that much on a Diablo, <laughs> especially if you're financing it. Uh, all right, guys, let's uh, let's hit the the financial advice here because we got some financial questions. Uh, you know, we we've definitely we've gone kind of off topic and a roundabout topic. We never uh, do that. So hang uh, on. Right. on. Let me give me so on on TikTok. Uh, Cheryl says. A 1958 red and white Corvette is my dream car. That's that's kind of more in line with where, what we're talking about car value wise. I don't think a dream car needs to be a two hundred thousand or a million dollar car. But let me let me just look here uh, on well, eBay. Can, What's that? Depending on the condition, you you might be looking at one twenty. Yeah. All right. So somebody asked how to retire now. And that really depends on how much money you have saved and how much you're looking to earn per year on that money. Because 
you know, how do you retire now? The answer is you just retire. <laughs> like you're kind of, oh, you're sure. playing the cards that you're dealt, you know, but, uh, but obviously I don't think that's the question. How can I retire relatively early and soon? Well, you need to have money saved up and you need to figure out how much money you need to live, what your costs are, and then how much you can yield on the savings that you have. Yes. Um, and for most people in their twenties and thirties, I don't think you should be thinking about retiring now you should be thinking about retiring in 10 or 15 years and the lifestyle you need to be living now in order to achieve that. And then the lifestyle you plan to live for the next 70 years after that. Um, but but I, you know, the actual calculation, if you've got a million dollars at 5%, that's $50,000 a year. Now, if you need $50,000 a year to live, that million dollars is never going to go anywhere. Like if, if assume that you can earn 5% on that million and you have to, and you take 100% of the earnings out every single year, the million's going to stay the same. And over time, that million's going to be worth less and less due to inflation. So, yes. and so is that 50,000. True. So, um, and this is a more complicated question where I'd need to actually see the numbers to be able to. We need, again, and what we're talking about when it comes to giving good advice is you need to know some more specifics and, and everybody's going to have the different specifics when it comes to yeah, it all depends on how old are you? How long do you need the money to last? How much money do you have? How much does it yield? How much are your costs? And do you, well, I, are you, I mean, to what, me, the, yeah. the important questions would be what kind of lifestyle do you want to live then? And what kind of lifestyle are, are you willing to endure to get there because you know you could live a pretty shitty lifestyle where you're spending very little money on everything involved in life to start saving money in the meantime just living very meagerly um but it really depends you know and then you're definitely not going to have an issue of gold diggers which was one of our first questions um all right let's have another question david you want to know she's not dating me for my money exactly david you want to you want to grab a question here Sure. Well, we got a question about what is the best uh, best stocks app, and the answer is there there really isn't one at this point. They all do the same thing. They tell you what the stock's price is. They give you the option prices. They show you the trends. If you're going to dip your foot in and start buying stocks willy nilly and doing that, you need to be doing the research on your own. I don't think any of the apps. It's all going to be a slicker user interface, but the overall functionality, they all do the same thing. It doesn't matter which app. You're not going to make more money on Robinhood than you are on Fidelity or vice versa. Well, what do you, what do you guys use? Both. A couple things. James uses Merrill, right? Merrill and Robinhood. Uh, I've got Robinhood. I've got Fidelity. I've got Bank of America. Um, and whatever uh, my 401k and Roth are run through my current employment, the, the different apps, they, they all give the same information. The apps are just an overlay over what the stock market's doing. Pick one. They all do the same thing. It doesn't matter. Uh, if you're listening or watching on YouTube, there are some stock apps in the links below. So make sure you check those out. Um, all right. Let's hit another question. How to start investing. We, we did a whole podcast on this, really, but we sure. did a podcast on how not to do it. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I, I would say, what are your goals? How much money do you have that you can that you can put away? How much risk are you willing to take? And how much knowledge do you have of the market? If you've got very little knowledge, th there's nothing wrong with just dumping all your money into an index fund and letting it ride. 
if you've got decent amount of knowledge, then you can more actively trade. If you don't want to have anything to do with it, you can you can pay your 200 bips to an investment advisor and just have them do it for you. Bips is points of percent. So 200 bips is 2% just for everyone listening. Yeah, 2% of assets. So if, if you have you, 100,000 invested, you're paying $2,000 to the investment advisor every year, regardless of performance. Okay. And usually so, there's performance incentives there. So if he does really well, he'll take a cut of the gains that you realized as well. Well, I don't think somebody with 100,000 investors is going to be asking the question, how can I start investing? So I just picked that because it's an easy I know. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. But here, here's my thinking is if you want to be involved and you want to spend some time learning, then you can go and start trying to trade some stocks yourself. But if you're not a quick student and you're risk averse, you don't want to be doing your own investing. So it, it really depends on what you're looking for, how involved you want to be. Uh, but if your expectations are to make money fast, you either need to be ready to, to jump on the bull and, and, and take some hits. And, and if you want to make money fast, you have to accept that you might lose money fast. Yeah, that's basically it. And you need to be ready to learn. You know, if you, but if you're not a great learner and you're not good with finances and you're not good with numbers and, and trends like that, probably investing on your own is not a great idea. Yo, I like this I question. Is now the right time to buy if you already own? No. I think they mean a home. Yes. Yeah. No, just because even you're talking about a seller's market and you're playing both sides of the coin as being the seller and the buyer. But unless you have something lined up on a, a purchase sale at a price you're happy with, don't don't sell and think you're going to be able to find something willy nilly, nice and quick. That's going to go because right now everywhere the market's stupid. Even in California, people are leaving. Sure. What they're doing is they're leaving, they're selling, they're taking their equity elsewhere and inflating the prices everywhere else. Yeah. So if prices you're, across the country are just stupid yeah, right now. The the suburban markets are drastically overinflated, uh, especially outside of the, the places that are typical, your normal destination like uh, LA or New York or Miami. A lot of- Sacramento. I'm 70 miles away from San Francisco. It is a stupid hot market here. You can't buy a house here. Really? So that so, but yeah. So you're not a place where traditionally people are flocking to. Then is my no. guess. And now they are. Crazily bad. Yeah, that's a good yeah. comment. Ne- never invest what you aren't willing to lose. But yeah, yep. what, what you what you're saying, David, is it's not a very good time to buy, and unless unless you're looking to scoop some places up in an urban market where the prices have dropped quite a bit because people have left. So but where they, where are those markets? Well, New York they, City, for example. But they now, they've dropped from they've dropped from previously stupidly artificially high prices to less stupidly high artificial prices. So they're still, I mean. You, Oh my God, we have to talk about this. Uh, mayor for New York City, they asked New York Times all the different candidates, and you had two that came out. Mayoral race. Mayoral race, yeah, which is effectively like a, uh, the governor almost, it feels like, because New York City is a very big. That's New York City. Yeah. Two of them were under $100,000 for the median price of a home in, in New York City. Oh, so one, they asked in, them what the average said, price what's, was? What's, yeah, I, I know. what in a, in a certain borough, I, I know, I know. In but Brooklyn. Sure. Again, they asked the question, what do you think the average, the median home cost is? And they said under $100,000. They're off by a factor of eight. 
Wait, yeah. wait, they they thought the average price of a of a home in Brooklyn was below one hundred thousand dollars. One person answered a hundred. One person answered eighty. The real answer 90, was like was like nine hundred. Nine hundred. Yang was the only one who got it right. You had a bunch of people who are eight hundred. A couple who are a million, which are all respectable answers. that are within spitting distance, but one hundred. Yeah. What the? Yeah, if the answer is nine hundred and you answer eight, uh, that's that's close enough. But, or a million. Same thing. Also, I mean, also fine. Uh, that's that's but wild. Because... Say, yeah, I think a home in Brooklyn costs about a hundred thousand dollars. Like maybe a cardboard box that's on a nice lot. <laughs> Have you seen the rent on those things? <laughs> no, you. I mean, you can't. You can't even get a. Uh, I mean, you can't even get a, an undeveloped lot for a hundred thousand dollars. So, so that's wild that these guys are so out of tune. I, I was always afraid like someone would ask me in a public setting where it would really uh, be detrimental to my character, how much a gallon of milk costs or, or, you know, one of those like silly questions. I don't have any idea how much a gallon of milk costs. Like, don't you go to the grocery store? I don't look at the no, just, just say, milk. just, just say you fucking drink almond milk and that you get it organic straight from the tea of the almond tree. But I but, but but realistically, I don't look at prices of stuff like that. I don't look at gas prices. I don't look at milk prices because here's my don't look at the weather reports. I don't look at weather reports like these details. I don't, I don't look at the markets. I don't look at credit forecasts. These details that, that are time for this research that are out of my control. I mean, the thing is, what am I going to do? Shop around for gas? I'm gonna I'm gonna find I'm gonna save six cents at this place versus six cents less at this place. Over the course of, of 15 gallons, I'm going to save myself 90 cents. But you can be generally aware of what things cost. I, I was I was paying $4.99 for gas. I mean, given it was a motorcycle, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But I was paying $4.99 for gas because it was near. I didn't realize gas wasn't $5 a gallon for like two years. That I was just it was a gas station between my apartment and and my office. Uh, you know, it just made sense to go there. Um. But yeah, like the cost of a gallon of milk, like I have no idea. I just definitely would not want to buy the cheapest one in the grocery store because it's pro- there's probably something uh, not good about that gallon of milk. I saw a picture the other day of uh, their their milk containers, gallon milk containers, but they were filled with potato salad being sold in a grocery store. I just couldn't think of a worse container in which to serve potato salad than a gallon jug of milk of if you're you buying pay. also how did you get it in uh a funnel <laughs> and pressure and... <laughs> have you ever seen uh are you familiar with what foie gras is it's the the duck livers that they've like overfed <clears throat> and gave them like fatty liver disease i love foie gras. <laughs> well let me tell you about how they make it they, they take the they, they take the duck like tilt it back put a funnel in and just start like cramming all this shit in it's if you've ever had a garbage disposal that's clogged and you've taken that thing into it that's basically the same motion yes fukura is animal cruelty but it's very it tastes very good any i mean for the most part for the most part we're we're slaughtering animals so that's about Uh, as cruel as it gets so no no they're they're super fun to super fun to pet better to chew (laughs) um all right, fuck. I feel like we're really running out of time. I gotta, I gotta just double check the time here. Uh, I feel like I, we should just follow up on this because, like, this advice episode, we've gotten really good participation, good comments, and we we only hit like half the questions. Uh, yeah, we we did miss a lot of questions, but this this was a cool episode. Uh, we love discussing uh, 
the pain points in your lives. So thank you for thank you for sharing those yeah. with us. Yeah. Drunk runs. Um, the, yeah, the drunk <laughs> runs. Uh, that. Uh, that was that's not funny. That's that's just it's 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 not just funny. It's not funny. <laughs> um all right. On on that note though, uh I want to thank you guys for joining. I want to thank the guys on TikTok for watching. I want to thank the guys on Facebook for watching. I see uh uh I see some comments here uh, from another DeGiulio on uh, on Facebook. That's cool. And for all you guys who tuned in on Instagram and who sent these questions, the majority of these questions came through via Instagram uh, DMs or just responses to the question stickers. So thank you guys for that. That was very cool of you. And uh, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast. Don't be a dick. Go to YouTube, type in Sip Talk, click, click the subscribe button. Do you really care what you subscribe to on YouTube? Is that really a big deal for you? Hook us up, subscribe to the podcast. All right. And you get to hear our beautiful voices, whether there's an echo or not. And uh, I apologize for the echo. Uh, anything else you guys want to add before we go? No. I'm good. <laughs> All right. Wonderful. I'm going I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna to start. I'm, I'm going to start some music, like some intro music and some outro music. So we really just kind of forced to to wind in or wind out as that as that music ramps up or ramps down. But on that note, is taking care of business. I like that. If we'd have to get the ECB. rights, to it. we'd have to get the rights to it, though. That would be an issue. Rosh can help us with that. And as always, thank you to Rosh for manning the comments, feeding us the comments. And uh, I'll catch all you guys soon. Adios. All right, later. See ya. All right. That concludes this episode. Thank you for joining. If you have not already and you've gotten this far, please subscribe to this podcast. Please rate this podcast. Please share the podcast. Like the podcast. I appreciate everything you guys do. Thank you. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.